All right, welcome back to the podcast. And it is almost the end of 2021. Yes, we are moving into 2022. I don't know if you are ready. I am not ready for it, but I get my new puppy on January 31st. So guess I'll ring in the new year, drinking coffee and sitting in my chair, holding my new puppy. Anyway, I want you to meet my new friend, Christine Wood. She is from Australia, lives there, right? born, raised there. Uh, and she is in Brisbane, Bris- Brisbane area. I'm going to have to get out a map. I'll just be honest and look and see where that's at. Anyway, Christine is an author. She's recently published. And I'm going to put her new book, which is called All is Calm, in the show notes. You need to get a copy of this. It's a short little devotional, but it will bless you. It is focused on the Christmas season, which technically starts on December 25th. It's the Christmas season. We are in Advent right now. I guess it depends on when you're listening to this podcast, but it doesn't matter when you listen to it. The The chapters are applicable any time of year, and uh, you'll be blessed. She and I met through Hope Writers. Uh, it's an Hope Writers is an online community, um, which was started by Emily P. Freeman. If you're familiar with her, uh, her podcast, which is called The Next Right Thing, and then she has a book by the same title. And so we met through that, uh, doing some Zooms, obviously, since she lives on the other side of the world from me. And she also is recently retired as a Baptist minister, Queensland Baptist. Uh, That's her background. And we talk about that process, how she got her call to ministry, um, what she did, um, where she served in Australia in in that capacity. And then she shares her story of retiring. And the last 12 months, she and her husband have been traveling in an RV all across Australia. How cool is that? So we talk about how that happened and how they decided they were going to do this thing. Uh, Anyway, it's an interesting conversation that we have, and I appreciate her just taking the time to jump on here, talk about ministry, which, you know, pretty much looks the same no matter where you are uh, on the globe, especially when you're pastoring during a pandemic. Enjoy the episode, share it, uh, check the show notes and get a copy of her book, I know that it'll bless you or somebody else could really be um, ministered to uh, through her writing. I think I already said this maybe in the last couple of episodes, but if there is some topic that you want me to talk about, or if there's somebody specific you want me to bring on the podcast, or maybe it's not somebody specific, but an area of ministry that we haven't addressed yet. And I'm going to continue to give you updates on the Wesleyan Holiness Women Clergy Conference, which is less than 90 days away. I think it's, I think we're down to, well, not quite two months away. It's going to be here quickly. So if you haven't had a chance to register, I do encourage you to do that. In the meantime, enjoy the episode and hopefully one more episode before the new year arrives. We've been trying to tell better stories about women and clergy and the church 
because we really need to tell better stories. Instead of just complaining about it, what if we flood the airwaves with something different? I've had a couple of international guests so far. So uh, I had someone from the UK and then someone from the Philippines. Oh, and someone from Kenya, but she just recently moved to South Africa. But you're the first person I've had from Australia. This is fun. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Um, well, I guess, it's, I guess it's been about a week now for through the, uh, the Zoom for... Um, Alexis was doing for the devotional writers and I was excited when I heard your journey about writing your devotional so it's kind of re-inspired me and I would love to talk about that but first I want to talk a little bit about some other things and just yeah I want because I want my listeners to get to know you a little bit Um, Mm -hmm. so just tell me a little bit I know you're married Um, I am I've been married it will be 30 years next year so 29 years I've been married yeah I have a wonderful husband. I've found a good one. I have three children. Um, they're, they're all adult now. So they are 23, 25 and 26 years old. And um, they are delightful adults. I love having adult children. It's a great season. It is a great season. I've loved all, I've loved every season so far. Probably not potty training season. That's probably was not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. Right. Yeah. I love the, I love the teens and I have two young adults right now. So I love seeing my children, um, you know, doing great things as adults and making good decisions and, you know, setting up their lives. And what part of Australia are you in? So at the moment, we are in Western Australia. Um, we're in a remote little town because we're moving all the time so we've lived in an RV for almost 12 months Um, next next week it will be a year since we moved into our RV and we've been traveling full time so I think the longest we've stayed in any one place is about a month Um, usually we move every three or four days yeah every week or so we move on to the next town and we're making our way around the country. We're about halfway around. So are you doing like the perimeter then? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, it varies a bit um, depending on how remote we are um, and where, you know, where the roads go. You can't, can't drive along the whole of the coastline. It's, um, it's too rugged. Um, And we've taken detours um, so sometimes we sort of do a, a an S shape and snake our way up through the state. Yeah, we went down into the centre of Australia and then had to backtrack our way back up through the middle. Yeah, we're we're going around. <laughs> and you're originally from Queensland, is that right? That's right. I'm originally from Brisbane in Queensland. Yeah, I grew up in central Queensland in a small town, um, and I moved to Brisbane to go to university actually. And I met my husband there and we settled there and we've been there for almost all of our married lives. Our children still live there. So that's, that's still what I call home is Brisbane. Yeah. So what's your background then? What, what's your degree in from university? Um, I studied education. So I was a primary school teacher and um, I think you call it elementary school yeah. um, teacher and I taught music. Yeah. So I did that until I, until I had children. And then I was home with them for 13 years, I think. 
um, while they were in their formative years. And then as they got older, then I went back. I did a bit of teaching and then I went into ministry after that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk, talk a little bit about your ministry. Um, I know you, you were raised, your dad was a pastor. So you're, that's right. Yes. I'm a pastor's kid. Yeah. So we call you PKs here. (laughs) Um, Will you talk a little bit about your call to ministry? Like, how did you, how did you sense God calling you to ministry? Um, Mm -hmm. And then what did that look like for you to move into that role? You said you were a primary school teacher and then you were at home for a while. And so then you went into ministry. Yeah. So for me, church was always a really big part of my life. So I think I was 10 days old the first time I went to church and was pretty much in church three times a week for my entire life. But the church that I grew up in, um, women were not in ministry other than um, in women's groups or in children's Sunday school. There was no um, women in leadership or, um, you know, in the pulpit or or anything like that. Um, So I never really saw growing up um, ministry as an a vocational option for me so I, I just didn't consider it and just kept going but as I as I grew up and went to different churches I was always heavily involved and women's ministry and children's ministry was never a real passion of mine um, so I just I just volunteered in different volunteer roles and um, I went into different leadership positions Some of the different churches that I went to, um, I sort of started to see more leadership opportunities for me as a woman open up. And eventually we ended up at a church where they had women pastors and they had women preachers. And um, it was quite a, a large church in Brisbane. So it had, you know, a more egalitarian theology. Um, and that was the first time that I had seen women in vocational ministry. So up until then, I'd always been doing the roles, but never had the title that went with the leadership role, if you like. Right. So, no, so I, I had been, um, you know, in worship ministry. I'd been a worship leader and um, I'd been heavily involved in, you know, a, a lot of different aspects of, of church life. You know, our lives revolved around the church and, the, you know, the different ministries and programs and activities and groups, you know, it was always a, a huge part of our lives. So it was just a really natural step-by-step progression for me. There was never sort of a lightning bolt that said, you know, you should change the course of your life and go into ministry. It was always just one more step, one more, one more opportunity that God would open up and I would talk to wise people and talk to my husband and, you know, and then just take that one seemingly small step that was the next opportunity that God opened up for me. So for me, going into vocational ministry was just the next natural step for that. Right. So I was actually approached by our senior pastor when we got to, um, we'd only been in that church, we changed churches when our, when our children were sort of in upper primary going into high school and we were looking for a church that had um, a really good youth program for them, which is really sort of important in those teenage years for, um, 
for yeah where we were at as a family so we changed churches which was a really you know big step for us I was actually the worship director at the church that we'd left so it was a big change for our family and when we got there the senior pastor actually knew some of my story and some of my ministry experience and they had a sort of a crisis that happened in their worship team at the time and the senior pastor came to me and said will you come on staff just a couple of days a week just for six months just to help steady this team while we sort out this crisis so I agreed to that and it was a really was it was a tricky season because I was working three days a week as a teacher and then I was working a couple of days a week at the church but then as that six months came to an end I actually applied um, for a, a full-time position which which I got the job so then I resigned from the teaching and went into the church ministry but at that time I had a lot of ministry experience but no formal training so I actually studied Bible college um, part-time while I was um, working at the church took me four years to do that and I went through the registration process for for Queensland Baptist which was the denomination which was the highest qualification that a woman in ministry can get um, at, at QB which is which is still the case today 11 years I worked in that role you talked about registration versus ordinations in our denomination for a little while we had something called a deaconess um right uh, i'm wondering if that's similar i guess i should ask the question first can a man be registered also or is that specifically just a female role no a man can be registered so registration is compulsory for everyone who works in a um, pastoral role in a queensland baptist church so registration is, um, you know, you go through, there's study, but there's also, you know, police checks and other, um, there's psychological tests and other vetting processes to be registered. And there's an ongoing, you know, professional development and supervision and mentoring that goes along with um, registration. So every Baptist pastor in Queensland is registered and ordination is, is a further further step there's a lot of male pastors in Queensland Baptist that aren't ordained but they're all registered that's just really interesting you know every denomination has their own unique path and then also depending on what you know what country you're in or sometimes even what part of the country you're in yeah um, you know most of my listeners are probably familiar with Southern Baptist Conference or maybe the General Baptist Conference is your specifically Queensland? Like what's... Yeah, there's there's Baptist unions in each state in Australia um, that's, that set those rules. There is a, there's an Australian Baptist union, but I'm not exactly sure how they, do, they don't seem to set the rules for the states. So yeah. I'm not sure what their oversight role is. And I think Queensland is the only state that doesn't ordain women. I think really? all of the other states, they do. I know here in Western Australia, they do. I went online just to try to figure out like, yeah, it was so confusing. I'm like, I have no idea. I'll just, I'll just ask Christine. It is. It's just confusing. (laughs) (laughs) There's more than just Hillsong in Australia. Yeah. There's a lot of churches in Australia. Your, your music minister 
at that church, but also I thought, did I, I thought I heard you talk about you did visitation or hospital visit or. I, I was on staff there 11 years. So the first four years I was in music and um, creative. Um, then I went into a pastoral care role for a few years. I was the pastoral care pastor. And then for the last few years I was there, I was actually the discipleship pastor and I oversaw all of the um, small groups and um, our new believers and I wrote the Bible study material for our small groups in line with the sermon series that we were doing. So is that how you moved into the writing part of it then? You started with writing Bible studies for your small groups? Um, I've been writing for quite a long time. I've been writing my blog for five and a half years just as a hobby. So it wasn't really connected to my church role um, at all. It was just a personal hobby. And I've been the writing sort of the devotionals for my my. Um, my personal blog and for a few other blogs as well um, for quite a long time. The writing, I didn't really ever see it as, um, you know, part of my church role, but I definitely used the skill from time to time. Right. Um, yeah, when I took over the responsibility for the small groups, yeah, then we were sort of, as a church, we'd only been producing our own small group material perhaps once or twice a year. But then when I took the role, just because of the skill set that I had, we started writing um, the Bible study material for, for the whole year. So that was, that was a new initiative that I brought in when I changed into the role. And the, the lady that's taken my place now that I finished there is taking it from strength to strength and um, is producing excellent material. And I yeah. like that you coordinated it with the sermon whatever your lead pastor preached on Sunday, then they would study that during the week. Is that how it went? We, we would follow the same series in the same themes. So they would generally always, you know, preach in a, a series. So you preach, you know, six weeks through the book of Galatians or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and it wouldn't be like really tightly um, connected to the sermon so it wouldn't be like if you didn't for some reason make it to church on Sunday then you wouldn't be able to answer the Bible study questions it was more a digging deeper on a similar theme or a similar passage I like that maybe we'll have to borrow that <laughs> <laughs> you know probably what I was really passionate about was you know getting people to really read the Bible and listen to what God is saying for themselves and not just answer comprehension questions about what they read right um, you know we use have you ever heard of the um bible discovery method of reading the bible i'm not sure talk about that so it's just it's it's really simple i think it was first developed by missionaries in africa and it's just a way of reading a passage of scripture sometimes it's a whole chapter but often it's a shorter passage and then it's just asking simple questions like, what is God saying in this passage of scripture? What does it say about the character and nature of God? And what does that mean for my life? And what am I going to do about what I've just read? And it's talking through and praying through as a group, being taught by the Holy Spirit using scripture without all of the extra commentary mm. and clutter that we sometimes put into 
our um, our Bible study. So right. it was it was quite simple, but it's incredibly life transforming when we learn to just read scripture and listen to what God is saying um, and mm. applying it to our lives and and then be holding each other accountable to obey and to act on you know what we're discovering um, God is saying. So that's really the theme of how I developed my small group material. I like that. You're right. And it makes it accessible for people who haven't been to Bible college um, or especially like here for us, you know, more and more people are not growing up in the church. You know, yeah. so if they're coming to faith, many of them are coming to faith as adults. And so they don't even have, you know, access or they don't have those resources, don't even know that those resources exist. So yeah. You know, for them, if they want to get started, um, this is, that's something that's accessible no matter, you know, what your Bible knowledge is. That's right. And um, sometimes you actually have much better conversations when you go through that process with people who haven't been Christians for a long time. Um, and you listen to the insights of what God shows to people who are just discovering his word for the first time. And it just makes your heart sing. It's the best thing. <laughs> it's just it wonderful. So you did that for 11 years. Well, you were on, the, you were on staff at that church for 11 years. Yes. And then did you retire? I I've, yeah, we've both resigned from our jobs. You know, we, we sold up everything. We bought a big four-wheel drive and a 21-foot caravan. And that's been our home for the last, for the last year. Will you talk about that? What was that process of deciding that that's what you wanted to do and then how did you do the like the purging I don't just mean like how did you literally get rid of it like who who came and took it all away but I mean yeah I think the psychological aspect of letting go yeah um it was like my my story is a story that is smattered with stress-related illness a panic attack that put me in hospital for four days and other mental issues if mental health issues if you like I hate to hate to say that I've I know what it is to suffer from anxiety I know what it is to be depressed and so as much as I loved my ministry role and I loved working in the church it was really hard and it took its toll over the years it, it was tough going and perhaps partly it's my personality type or you know, I know sometimes I know people who can cope with the pastoral care load and not have it wear them down, um, but I wasn't that person. Um, so after after those years and just the constant, you know, Sunday comes every single week. Right. Um, there is there is a pressure, and I was in a big church. I was taking care of over a hundred life groups and supporting their leaders and writing the material and. And just the other regular pastoral duties, um, it was taking its toll and I needed to, you know, step back and change the way I was living. But alongside of that, my husband was in a really stressful job as well. We would actually, we'd taken a week's vacation. This is a, a few years ago now, two and a half years ago now. We took a week's vacation. We were just having coffee and my husband Murray just came completely out of the blue and said, what do you think about the idea of buying a caravan and traveling around Australia? And at the time I knew that he was struggling with his job 
And I just said, oh, that sounds nice, dear, thinking <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, thinking that, you know, we'd get back to our normal lives and we'd have had a break from our our vacation and, you know, we'd just continue on and the idea would would kind of maybe disappear in time because this was completely out of the blue. This had never been an ambition of ours or an idea that we talked about. It was just completely out of the blue, this suggestion. Anyway, so um, I think that was in the April or the May and by that November we had ordered our van. Then the December we sold our sold our car and bought this big four-wheel drive so that we could tow the van. And then the, the following year, yeah, we, we moved everything. So it was, it sort of started as over the, out of the blue, but then it just, it just made sense and things started falling into place and we made, made some decisions and then started planning. So it was about 18 months, 20 months between when we had the first idea that this is what we wanted to do. Of course, we, you know, the hardest thing you talk to your kids to say, hey, we still had one living at home at that stage. It's like, oh, we, I think we want to abandon you and, and, you know, travel around the country. And when we had those conversations, our kids were really excited for us. They said, that's a brilliant idea. You should do it. We're fine. Um, go for it. So we gave our youngest son just over a year's notice that, we, that he had to find somewhere else to live. And I think a week before we left, he found <laughs> he found a house. And I, um, I for, how old is your youngest again? I forgot. Tell me again. He's twenty three now. He okay. Was, he was twenty one when we told him, and he was twenty two when he moved out. And he moved in with some church friends, and he's thriving at doing adult life without his mother. So, <laughs> but you know, we talk several times every week, and we've. We, you know, have video chats all the time. So it, it kind of became like a finish line for us to sprint towards. Um, it gave us the energy to put our best selves into our work for that last, that last year. You know, when, you, when you've got something to look forward to, it's amazing what you can accomplish as you run towards that. But I think now 12 months on, I didn't probably... I didn't realize how unwell I was until now when I'm feeling I'm a different person now to who I was by the time I finished my ministry. I sleep a lot more. I laugh a lot more. I got used to this adrenaline, stress, overwhelmed feeling that I lived with all the time that I didn't know was a stressed, overwhelmed, anxious feeling until now I don't have that anymore. God knew what I needed more than what I did. I think that's true all the time. Right. Um, I just feel incredibly blessed for this opportunity to be healthy mentally and spiritually and physically. I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about God. I was a little worried about how I would how my faith would look when I'm decoupled from the church. I've always been, you know, like I said before, our lives revolved around the programs of the church and I've right. spent my entire life in, in that world. It was my whole world. So other than, you know, a, we visited a few churches 
not a real lot, but we visited a few churches in the last year and we, we join in with our home church with their service online. Not every single week, but pretty regularly we join in with that. I, it's, it's been this whole new experience of who God is and what faith looks like for me without it just being programmed by this is the Bible reading we're following and this is the prayer meeting that you have, you know, you come and you pray these prayers with these people. Because I was on staff, you just, you follow along with the way everything, the way everything works. So it's been really, it's been really fantastic to discover who God is and what faith looks like outside of that. I'm not saying that I don't like church and that as soon as we (laughs) settle back in town, we won't, you know, join a church and join in community and, you know, be contributors to that. Um, But in this season, God knew what I needed. Yeah. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And I think that, uh, I think a lot of people, will, it'll, that'll resonate with a lot of us, you know, especially these last two years, the pandemic mm-hmm. has just, you know, sped everything up so much and, and intensified everything. You know, we've had here in the States, we've had, uh, and then extreme political and racial unrest on top of yeah. the pandemic. So we are yeah. all, even if you, if you didn't struggle with anxiety or depression before 2020, <laughs> you are now. I was still working in, um, you know, in pastoral care and discipleship through, through 2020. And, you know, we made a commitment when our, when our state went into lockdown and we could no longer hold live services that we would call and talk to every person in our church. And we had 5,000 people on our list. So as a staff, we split up the list and we just started making calls. And, you know, the first week those calls weren't too bad. And the second week the calls got a bit longer because, you know, it was a bit harder for people. But by week three and week four, you know, every second person you'd call, there would be, you know, someone in the family would have lost their job and someone in the family would be, really struggling with mental health or you know relationship breakdowns and teenage kids who were really struggling and their parents were were really worried about them and these were the conversations that I was having and you know just praying for people over the phone and that would take take up my whole day all day every day having those conversations because usually in pastoral care you might have you know five or six people who are dealing with a, a life-altering crisis, but here we had 5,000 people who were dealing with a life-altering crisis. And that was the same for every single pastor in every single church yep. in the entire world at the same time. It's, right. it's tough going for everybody. Yeah, I, I know we're all, we're all praying that we'll get some relief in 2022. And we, we keep praying that. Keep we'll praying, keep praying that. that. Uh, so out of all of this, you wrote your devotional. And so you wrote your I devotional did. in the RV. Well, I guess we call them RVs. You call them caravans, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you wrote this on the road and you yeah. wrote it pretty quickly. So talk about your, just maybe the inspiration to write this and then that process, because you did it pretty quickly. Um, I think part of it was there was that momentum from, you know, I'd been, been working full time. I'd been working hard you know, showing up every day. And then all of a sudden 
I had I had nothing to do. You know, I wake up in the morning and there's no meetings to go to. There's no commitments. There's no, there was nothing. The calendar was clear. I think there's, there's part of me that just wanted to keep that momentum going because I didn't know how to stop. Um, and there's part of me that, you know, I'd been wanting to, to write this. I've been part of, you know, hope writers wanting to um, be more serious about my writing um, for years bef- before that. So I just, I think I saw it as a great opportunity now that I wasn't working um, to, actually, to, to actually make it happen. To be honest, I think I just, I just wanted to get something done, something finished. I've been learning about writing and learning about publishing and I've been doing courses and watching online training and talking to people about it. And it's just like it just got to the point where it's, okay, Christine, you've been thinking about this and learning about the process for long enough. Just see what you can actually do. So I watched some, um, some things about self-publishing so that I could skip the whole writing book proposals and trying to find an agent and finding a publisher. I find being in Australia and being no fixed address, it can be a bit limiting and isolating, if you like. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll self-publish and I'll just get something out there so that I can go through the process and experience what it's like and just see what I can do. So I started, I started writing a lot of the stories and a lot of the, the ideas in the book. You know, the heart of it has been growing in me for years over Christmases. You know, as a pastor, Christmas comes around every year and as a blogger Christmas comes around every year and you're always you know digging back in to find fresh revelation in this in the same old story if you like as wonderful as a story is um, you're retelling it year after year after year so I, I thought I'll just do something short it's got only nine chapters in it it's not a long book but something that's really heartfelt and meaningful for me. Yeah, so I wrote it pretty quickly. And I, my, my daughter, who my eldest daughter is, is actually a copywriter and editor. And um, so she, she did the editing for me. And she had a friend who was a, a des- graphic designer and she did, did the cover art for me. So I finished it about a year ago and I'm still really super proud of it. And when I get back into it and read it again, it still touches my heart and the stories still make me cry. <laughs> yeah. I read the first chapter today and I loved your story of pulling up a chair for Jesus. And mm. I thought, oh, maybe I need to do that for my sabbatical. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here writing and editing podcasts and stuff like that. And you share about your own journey with of anxiety in here yeah I think there's I mean as hard as it is to to share those stories and as difficult as it is to sort of try and articulate the memory of those experiences you know I just find there's real power in that honesty and vulnerability now when I when I read a devotion I don't want to feel like I'm being preached at by somebody who's perfect I want to feel like you know, I'm understood by somebody who's been on the journey. So I try and write that way as well. 
Yeah. And that, I think that does come through. You're, I want, I want to say an easy reader that, that doesn't sound, that sounds, that doesn't sound like a compliment, <laughs> but I think for a devotional, I don't want to struggle over pe- the way people like your sentence structure and your paragraph structure. Mm. It, there's a nice flow and rhythm. It's what I mean by it's an easy read. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be struggling. It doesn't read like uh, a professor. <laughs> I, don't even, I can't get through the first paragraph, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, there's, an, yeah, there's just a nice rhythm and flow to your, uh, to your writing and your sentence structure and Thank you. the way you, you lay out your story. So I think people will be encouraged and blessed and it's a fun title, All is Calm, which, you know, uh, <laughs> well, who doesn't need that right now? Who doesn't need that right now? I have a really vivid memory. It was about this time of year. Um, a few years ago and I was just walking out of the church after the service on Sunday and I met a lady in the foyer that I I sort of knew but didn't know really well and I just sort of made you know an offhand comment as I was walking past you know I you're looking forward to Christmas and she just burst into tears instantly she she just said to me you know oh the kids are going to be with their dad this year and then it dawned on me you know, that she'd just been through a divorce that year and I'd, I'd forgotten as I'd, as I'd walked past her. So, you know, I spent some time with her and prayed with her and then I, I started to listen more sensitively when I said to people, you know, are you looking forward to Christmas this year? And you know, everybody's got a difficult Christmas story. Everybody's got um, reasons why the holidays are hard. Some people have perfect Christmases and perfect families and perfect homes and but most of us there's some hurt there and there's there's some grief and there's relational conflict that always seems to be more fun at Christmas and there's the financial pressure and you know you throw a global pandemic in there and I think we can all use some encouragement from God's word that is easy to read and is encouraging. So I really hope that that's what this book is. Yeah, I think I think it will be. It's okay if they read it after Christmas because technically Christmas starts. Twelve days of Christmas start on Christmas, right? <laughs> this yeah. is just Advent. This is Advent. You can so. you can read it any time. Yeah, but yeah, it it would be a good it would be a good book to take people into the new year. I do think that it's true because it's not specifically. I mean, you use the Christmas passages to write your scripture, but we can yeah. read, you can read Luke chapter two, any time of the year. It's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're not limited to only reading it in, this, in November, December. Do you have some advice for ministers or writers or ministers who want to write uh, <laughs> that you want to share with them and encourage them? For ministers, my advice would be to not neglect self-care. And to to have a good counsellor or a professional supervisor of, or a mental health professional of some kind that you are regularly checking in on and, and not to neglect your own pastoral care while you're caring for other people. You know, we, we can easily work too hard because the, the to-do list never, ever ends. And I know right. it's, not just, it's not just pastors who have that problem. I think the expectations of so many jobs, I mean, my husband was in the computer industry and the, the pressure 
and you know we we're expected to be on call 24 7 for almost everyone so you know looking after our our own mental health is is not a weakness or a shortcoming I, I write a fair bit in my blog about Sabbath and you know Jesus, Jesus resting and you know the rhythm of of the week that God intended for us and how in our, our modern modern world we've kind of thrown away the idea of rest being um, you know a spiritual discipline and practice um, and is more of an indulgence um, for us so you know a sabbatical is great but if we can find a work rest rhythm like the like the sabbath day that that god intended for us i think that's a much healthier way for us to live and to minister right for people who want to write my advice would be to just write my writing you know my early writing makes me cringe <laughs> right um, <laughs> you get better when you write and now i i write every i write every day you know just just you you put your writing out there and you get the, the feedback and response from people. Um, I love I love the internet. I mean, there's a lot of bad things about the internet. There's a lot of bad things about social media. I, I get that. But it just, it gives us the opportunity to put our words before a worldwide audience. And it's amazing who you meet and who finds your words. You know, God, God uses those words if they're out there to to be read that would be my advice if you want to write just write there's a lot of you know there's devotional websites who you know accept contributing writers you don't make a lot of money as a writer it's a hard way to make money and writing and selling are two completely different things right um, yeah I don't think you I'm sure there are some people in there but that, that make a decent living but I'm sure they do I hope they do there's <laughs> Some people who, who are, you know, they're really good at the craft. But I think to make a living out of writing, you have to either um, invest in a team um, that can do, you know, help you with the marketing and the sales and distribution and all of those things, or you have to do a lot of work yourself and not just think it's about writing, but it's, right. it's like building a business to actually make a living out of writing words. Right. But I do think it's worth it, especially for get our stories out there. It's a different kind of kingdom work. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's yeah, it's exciting. I get so encouraged when, you know, people email me um, or they, they message me and, you know, they tell me the story of of how something that I wrote has resonated with them and helped them. And that's just an amazing privilege. And here I am talking to you on the other side of the world. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's amazing. I knew I'd never be able to fly to Australia and interview you face to face. So we get to do it this way. How awesome is that? It is so good. It's so good. <laughs> the only thing is, is that it's either really early or really late for either one of us. There's no, yeah. there's no in between, I guess. No, especially here on the West Coast. When I'm on the East Coast, the time zone is a bit more helpful but yeah yeah it's a bit it's a bit tricky here at the moment well I'm on the I'm on the east coast so of for the states so I guess that closes the gap a little bit if I was on the west coast then we'd really be far away. <laughs> yes well thanks so much for coming on here and doing this thank you for having me